John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And it's time for our Wednesdays with Wyman and Dave Wyman joining us. And so, Dave, I know we talked about it uh, yesterday uh, and talked about it all week, but I, I think what people around here and even around the league aren't recognizing is right now how much of an edge that offenses are having. Because particularly, like, here you are in the NFC where you have 12 quarterbacks making $21-plus million, and now you add a veteran like Nick Fole replacing an inferior young quarterback like Mitch Trubisky. Week in and week out, you're going against quarterbacks that can put up points on you at a time right now where defenses are playing, uh, you know, trying to catch up and not doing a great job of doing it. And I think that uh, because, I mean, you look at what Seattle has gone through in the first three games – Hall of Fame, not a Hall of Fame, but uh, you know, a guy that won an, M- an MVP and Matt Ryan. You know, he's averaging 30 points a game. Then you go to Cam Newton, who uh, did win an MVP. He's in New England. He gets 29 points a game. Uh, then you go to Dallas and have a home game against the Cowboys. Dak Prescott's averaging 29.3 points. <clears throat> and league-wide, NFC scoring is at 27.12 compared to AFC scoring at 24.4. And Andrew Siciliano just put this out about an hour or so ago, that uh, this is the most points, most yards, most everything since the 1961 AFL. <laughs> well, look, I'd like to see it balance back out. I mean, I know that there's uh, there's not as many holding penalties called on the offense, and you know, and then just the rules in general have made it easier for offenses. You know, when you when you look at the quarterbacks now, and I, I think it, it will even out here. I I cannot explain why the offenses are so much ahead of the defenses, but you know that the holding penalties are not being called as much offensively um you know and then you've you've had some pretty significant injuries but you know remember go back to remember Mike Sando tweeted out that the Seahawks were facing the easiest group of quarterbacks in you know of anybody on mm-hmm. their schedule and and I remember thinking going in is it going to be uh Matt Ryan or Dak Prescott that's the toughest to face so but you know they even made Cam Newton look good. I mean, Cam Newton had he threw for what 397 yards. He right. had not thrown for that many yards since his first two starts in the league in 2011. So you know, look, it's it's a little concerning. It's hard to explain, but um, you know they also allowed. Um, three receivers in Atlanta to have nine catches for over 100 yards, all three of them. That had never been done in NFL history. So there, there's some things that, that need to get cleaned up, and they will. They will definitely get cleaned up, and I think we'll start to see the, the defenses, you know, catch up a little bit. But it's strange because usually, you know, early on, the defenses are the side of the ball where it's like, hey, just turn it loose, go make hits. The, the offense has to execute, and they have to be more on time and everything. But it's the other way around this year yeah but take a look at this because again this is the difference because particularly uh you know when you're playing the afc east and the nfc east i mean and both are among the worst uh the two worst divisions in football like for example what is it oh seven and one right now the nfc east is in non-division games but uh what you're looking at is for example seattle plays new england dallas and atlanta right okay so that's three really good quarterbacks and so now you look the rest of the season their schedule is a 449 ninth 
easiest in the National Football League. Now, San Francisco starts off against Arizona, and then they get to play the two New York teams, which are the two worst teams in football as we speak. Their closing schedule is uh, basically 626 second toughest in the league and then you know instead of you know playing minnesota and atlanta you know on the non-common games you know san francisco's got green bay aaron Rodgers, and drew Brees in new orleans and you know here it is as many people are complaining about the uh, supposed bad start i mean this team has a one game lead over every team in this tough division yeah, well, and you look at the the rest of the way. I mean, Kirk Cousins is struggling. Um, the kid in Buffalo is, is good. Um, I can never remember his name, John. Josh Allen. Allen. What's his? Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Yeah. <laughs> Just one of those. Uh, I hate it when people have two first names. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, Buffalo. I mean, we'll see what Jared Goff's about, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting just looking at the rest of the schedule, but. Uh, you know, the other thing, I, you look at how good the offense is right now and, and what they're doing. I was just thinking about this yesterday. The two giveaways, and the, the Seahawks over the last eight years, and I always go back eight years, John, just because that's when, mm-hmm. when Russell and Bobby got here. But um, if you go over the the last eight years, the Seahawks have averaged just a little bit over one giveaway per game or one turnover, whether it's interception, fumble. And and I was looking at the Patriots. They're like less than one per game on average um, over the last eight years. And I was doing that research before the, the Patriot game. But the Seahawks, you know, have always been really good. And that's why they always have a good positive turnover ratio. Yes, it's about taking the ball away, which they did really well last year. And that was what made up for all those yards. But they've also been good at hanging on to the ball. But you look at they could be plus six right now in turnover ratio if Greg Olson – and both of these things I, I don't think will ever happen again. Greg Olson's never going to drop a pass that goes right into his hands, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we can pretty much count on that. And then DK Metcalf is never going to not secure the football and run through the goal line. But those are the two giveaways that they have on offense. I mean, and you'd, other than that, and those things are fluky things that happen. Like That, that is not characteristic of Greg Olson or DK Metcalf. Those are the, the, the two giveaways that, that they have that, you know, if, if they didn't, I mean, they would be, they'd be perfect. So it, it's pretty amazing what the offense is doing. And really, those are the only two big gaffes. I mean, other than, you know, Russ taking some sacks every once in a while. It's pretty amazing what the offense is getting done right now. Mm-hmm. Looking at some roster stuff, it looks like uh, Damon Snacks Harrison is not coming in this week, but he's going to go visit during the weekend and take his COVID testing and all that stuff. So I think there's a decent chance that he could come in and uh, sign and be a part of the team you know, for the Minnesota game. Then uh, you know, Demarius Randall ended up signing on the practice squad, and so he can be available if necessary as a safety. That could be a possible move. Looks like uh, they're going to put Shaquem Griffin at some point on the active roster. They did sign Ryan Neal to the uh, active roster today. Oh, good deal. Yeah, we had him on, John, the other day. What a fantastic kid. Just great attitude and uh, made a good play. And he's one of the guys that stood out to me out at practice when we were out there watching him and Lyndon Stevens, who both got activated, got pressed into to duty, though. But, um, you know, w- with Snacks Harrison talking about this yesterday, um, I did my football one-on-one thing I do every week, and this this week I did the uh, the safety that the Seahawks got um, on on Ezekiel Elliott, mm-hmm. and Brian Monet really did a good job. And we've heard Pete just rave about him, but him and L.J. Collier on that play were were really good. But 
But as far as the in, inside guys, Snack Harrison, I mean, if you're going to sign a D lineman to me, I, I think it, it would be more likely and make more sense to me anyway to for it to be a Clay Matthews type of guy than than a Snacks Harrison type of guy. Just because you know you've got. Jay Reed can play down inside, really, and and you got Monet, and you've got Anthony Rush, you've got uh, Puna Ford, and so and then the big guys that are playing the edge, you know, guys like Rasheem Green, L.J. Collier, those guys can can still drop down and play the three technique just outside of you know not the nose guard but inside outside of the shade of the guard, and they're they pretty pretty deep there. I mean, I think they're doing well just because Monet is playing. Really well. I know Pete did a whole thing about him, about how he went back and looked at all of the plays that he's had and how good he's been. But the thing, when you look at plays like that, John, you realize those guys don't have a lot of stats. They're not going to have a ton of tackles or sacks or anything, but they still have are having good games. And like I said, Monet, he's the one that forced that safety. So, um, yeah, to me, that would it would make more sense to get like a Clay Matthews than than a Snacks Harrison. In other words, I just don't think it's a big emergency to sign a big run-stuffing D-tackle. Right well, now. of course, I mean, uh, if it was an emergency, they probably would try to get him in <clears throat> this past Monday, <clears throat> and uh, apparently it's not an emergency, but it's a nice bonus to be able to possibly get somebody like that. So we'll see how that goes. So, uh, David, of course, uh, looking forward to talking to you. It's our Wednesdays with Wyman, checking in with you at 4 o'clock today. Thanks for having me on, John. Okay, and of course, you can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to uh, get you up to date as we get the report card going. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And the report card we get out each day, we look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, the anecdotes, we take the social media comments, and we also take the voices. We attach a grade to it. And, of course, uh, DJ Wilder giving us the report card. All right, John. So first up here, a story that came out this morning. The NFL has issued a strong warning to coaches who won't wear masks on the sidelines. This memo was sent to coaches, general managers, and team executives. And it pretty much threatened suspensions and forfeiting of draft picks as punishment if they fail to comply with COVID-19 game day protocols. And, of course, as we already know, the league has fined four head coaches already, which are John Gruden, Sean Payton, Vic, Vic Fangio, and Sean McVay, and, of course, uh, Pete Carroll uh, last week. So, John, what grade do you give the NFL for really putting the hammer down right now on uh, not wearing masks. Well, I'd, I'd like to give it a C just because it seems like it's an overdue. But, of course, I mean, they're trying like crazy to make sure they get the point across that uh, you've got to have good protocols. And we already have the some protocol breach uh, as far as what happened in Tennessee with the Titans on their trip to Minnesota, you know, with the fact that now you got nine people in the organization, including four players, getting positive tests. So I guess from that standpoint, uh, you know, you have to say, take it seriously. I'm going to give it a C because it just seems to be too much of a threat and too big of a fine. I'll go off on that a little bit, John, on what you just said there. I have to give it, I have to give it a D because right now i think we talked about this last week you and i did that why are the coaches the only ones getting punished for this yeah you you have players out there now coaches and players and team executives and personnel people you know and assistant coaches staff workers are all tested as much as possible nearly every day 
And so they're obviously, if they're out there, they're fine to play. But you have these players tackling each other and everything. They're always close to each other. And then the players never have to wear masks. But then the coaches who have to scream at their players, you know, plays and all that stuff, or talk to the refs or anything, they're the only ones that have to wear masks, and they're the only ones getting punched for it. Why don't the players get punched for it? And now we're threatening the, just taking away draft picks, which what are we going to do with the draft picks then? I don't understand. You're threatening suspensions. Okay, fine. But I, it just kind of goes back to our conversation from last, last week, John. Why are the coaches the only ones getting punished for this? Yeah, and of course now you're talking about, and, and the team too. I mean, uh, they're doing that. And it's, that's why I still kind of wonder because, you know, uh, you, you, at some point you've got to pull the mask down just to be able to communicate. And if you do that, it's like, are you you're gonna have to get lose a draft choice because of that? To me, it's just too much. Well, and then how? What are they gonna do with the draft pick that you lose? Yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Who are you gonna give it to? Like, do you? No, it's, like, just, it's just forfeited. Oh, okay. Just well, like last year, right. it's like, uh, you know, if you New England got uh, got in trouble and said to forfeit a draft pick, that's very true. Okay. So instead um, of two hundred and. Uh, 56 picks uh, you you have uh, 255 or 254 okay. or how many did diminish that makes a lot more sense but yeah I, I give it a d i just i don't really like the fact that the coaches are the only ones that are being held accountable for it right now if you're gonna if you're gonna require wearing masks then i don't know we're, we're required to players too or something i don't know but next story here john uh floyd mayweather is open to a rematch with conor mcgregor if we remember they uh they were in a boxing match, a very highly anticipated boxing match a couple years ago. And Floyd Mayweather is open to a rematch with Conor McGregor, uh, but only for a $300 million paycheck. He also stated that he is willing to box the current UFC lightweight champion, Khabib, for the same amount, who Khabib is known for his wrestling, not boxing. So, John, what grade do you give these potential boxing matches and no one's really asking for yeah i I give it a d minus because who cares i mean it's like uh you know is it really you're feeling like these are really legit things that are going on i I just don't get it i think that uh you know it's like who it's like okay we it's like watching uh not let's put this way the seniors tour in golf is good this one is not good this is beyond what's going on hey if this was a decade ago great but the decade is past i let's let it go also, by, about the senior tour, if Phil Mickelson ever decides to move to senior tour, I'll watch. But yeah. anyways, um, yeah, I got to give this an F. I, I Maybe it's just because I just don't care about boxing, but I did end up watching the last fight between Mayweather and McGregor, and honestly, it just, I don't know, I just didn't really find it that entertaining. They definitely just seemed like they were doing it for the money. And it was a lot of money, but I, I just this doesn't do anything for me, especially with Khabib too. I mean, at least McGregor when he's in the octagon, he boxes. He actually like throws punches and everything. Khabib just he's a wrestler. He's great. He's twenty eight and zero. So, but I I don't understand. It's just Floyd Mayweather. It's the whole thing of him retiring, not retiring, retiring, not retiring. Same thing that Conor McGregor's doing too with UFC. So I gotta give this whole thing an F. Yeah, I would didn't I wouldn't disagree. All right, so next story here, John. Um, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty simple one. Russell Wilson received his second NFC Offensive Player of the Week within a three-week period, and it just seems like the NFL is really starting to recognize what Russell Wilson's doing. He wasn't really, he wasn't really earning these accolades in the past, and right now, of course, you know, having the most touchdowns through the first three weeks of the season ever, you know, breaking records left and right in what seems every game. John, what what grade do you give the NFL for finally? 
starting to recognize Russell Wilson for his greatness. I'll give him, I'll give him an A because <clears throat> I'll be honest. I thought last week, uh, I know Dak Prescott did the incredible comeback uh, from 29 to 10 and uh, won the game 40 to 39, uh, and he got the uh, offensive player. But I still think that you know Russell could have won last week, and that could have been three weeks in a row, which is absolutely incredible. So the fact that they're recognizing it, you know, because what you wonder about is, oh, they're going to give it to Aaron Rodgers and kind of spread the wealth and all that stuff <clears throat> because Aaron's you know average. 40.66 points a game but uh, no I think that how can you not give it to a quarterback that had five touchdown passes and should have had six and uh, threw for the yards threw for the completions did all those different things and won the game at the end so I think it's well deserved and it's an A yeah it's got to get an A for me too John just because I'm just glad that the NFL is finally deciding to recognize Russell Wilson and just for everything that for all like the all the greatness that he has, and I'm just glad that he's starting to get the recognition. All right, so last story here, John. It's just about a Seahawks move um, to the practice squad. Safety Demarius Randall. What grade do you give that sign? Because he was, I don't want to say a big name, but he was mm-hmm. definitely one of the bigger names, I guess, more important names when he was uh, when he went to the Browns when the Browns were kind of trying to build like this little bit of a super team, and. You know, he's kind of forgotten about now, and he was pretty good with the Packers, but now he's on the Seahawks practice squad with amid a lot of injuries to uh, Seahawks safeties and the secondary. So what grade do you give this move, John? Yeah, I give it a B-plus because, let's put it this way, for a guy that, uh, you know, was a former first-round pick, it's kind of humbling to be able to come on a practice squad, but he was willing to come on the practice squad with the idea if they need him, they can call him up and get him on the on the regular roster for the Miami game. So I'm gonna, I'll give it a B-plus because it's just good. You're getting good options if you need one. See, that's the difference with why the Seahawks didn't sign Earl Thomas. He wouldn't be willing to do this. So I like this move a lot, John. I got to give it an A minus just because it did seem like for safety help, it was a choice between Demarius Randall and Earl Thomas. Of course, they ha- we haven't heard any reports of Earl Thomas really visiting Seattle. No. But, but was, I know a lot I, of people Dan, want him Danny back. and I got into this this morning, and uh, I convinced him. It's like, come on, Danny. It's like, do you think Earl Thomas is going to uh, come here and sign to be a backup? No, and because when, uh, aren't the, the safeties right now are Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams, who's injured. And so once the groin injury clears up for Jamal Adams, guess who gets to be the starter again? Do you think Earl wants to be a backup in a place that he left with anger? And I think that's uh, that shows why it's a good move. Demarius Randall, who is a good player, yeah. has it, showing that he will be a backup on a good team. So I gotta give the move an A minus. Yeah, when Earl Thomas, when that gesture went up in Arizona. The, the relationship's done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Seahawks fans. It's over. Yeah, it really is. So, of course, uh, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go on to Vizzy Hard, Hard Seltzer line and uh, get your text questions at 710-710. That's the text line, Vizzy Hard Seltzer. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And time to go into Vizzy Heart Seltzer text line and take your text questions. You can text us at 710-710. And so, DJ, what do we have? All right, first up here from the 509. John, what do you think of the Tim Williams signing? It seems like he has a lot of potential upside. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, linebacker can come in and 
do some things and, you know, getting him on the practice squad is not a bad thing to do. So I, I, I give it a, a, a B minus, something like that. But, uh, you know, you're always looking for guys to come in and, uh, you know, uh, we'll see if they're going to bring DeAndre Walker back. But, uh, you know, at least they got a linebacker and needed a linebacker because I'm sure that uh, Shaquem Griffin's going to go on the active roster before Sunday. From the 425, Professor, do you think that the Seahawks still have an eye on Snacks Harrison, or do you think they will end up passing on him? No, he's going to come in this weekend, from my understanding. Maybe Saturday or Sunday, go through COVID testing, so there's definite interest there. We'll see where he is conditioning-wise and health-wise and all that stuff, but uh, there's definite interest there, and he's interested enough that he's making this the first stop. We thought it was going to be this week, but it's now going to be this weekend. From the 206, will DJ Dallas see action this week? Uh, very possibly, yeah, because you know, with the idea that uh, you know, we don't know for sure if Chris Carson's going to be healthy enough to play. If he isn't and he's going to be inactive, then I would have to think they'll bring DJ up and uh, be, have him available, which is kind of interesting because then you have two former uh, University of Miami linebackers going back home and being on the active roster. Travis, uh, you know, <clears throat> certainly, you know, with the the two there, it's like it's kind of interesting. From the four two five, can Miles Gaskin put up a hundred yards on Seattle come Sunday? No, I don't think so. I mean, their defense is only giving up like about sixty some yards a game rushing, and if Seattle does get a lead, it'll take them out of the rushing game. So I'd say no. From the four two five, if Chris Carson is out this Sunday, what percentage of snaps do you see Carlos Hyde taking relative to the rest of the Seattle's running backs? Mm, I'd say probably sixteen or seventeen. I mean, again, it's not a very good run stopping group, and so I think that they'd kind of load it up on him, and he takes over the lead role, and then they'd mix in, uh, you know, Travis Homer, and they mix in DJ uh, Dallas. From the two oh six. Are the days for Carson Wentz numbered in Philly right now? No, it's too early to do that. I mean, he's making $32 million a year. He's got nothing around him right now. Four starting offensive linemen on injured reserve. They're all banged up at receiver. They just lost Dallas Goscard, a, a defense, a tight end. I mean, it's a mess. And plus, they're giving over 40 points a game. From the two five three, would, could Shaquille Griffin be demoted to the number 2 corner in favor of Quentin Dunbar later this season? Can, we, can Trey, who, who's going to be demoted? Shaquille Griffin. No. No way. I don't see it. I mean, yeah. right now, uh, once Dunbar is healthy, he comes back and starts. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, everybody's overreacting. Come on, people. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the NFC offenses are getting 27 points a game plus. And, you know, are they are they panicking in Green Bay? Fans are because they're giving up over 28 points a game. It's like, settle down, people. Uh, let's see here. From the 253, what would Ryan Kerrigan cost in a trade? And could that be an option for the Seahawks? Mm, could be an option, yeah. I mean, but, uh, you know, it would, and you can probably get him for a low price because... You know, it's a uh, you're taking on salary and all that stuff, but uh, so you can probably get him for a fifth round pick. But I, at this stage, you know, with a new coach and Ron Rivera, and then having so many offense defensive linemen first rounds, and with the injuries they have, I don't see that as an, an option that the Redskins would consider. From the two five three, everyone's talking about. Excuse me, Clay Matthews. John, what about Terrell Suggs? I, I think, I mean, I, I brought that up last week. I think that's one to consider because, uh, you know, they did it a couple years ago with Dwight Freeney, brought him in. And so uh, I, I think that, you know, if you can't get, uh, you know, Clay Matthews, and, you know, I think it'd be a consideration. From the 2 5 3, how will the Steelers Titans game be made up? 
Uh, right now, the plan is to, they, they decided they're not going to play it on Sunday, particularly with the fourth player getting a positive test. They consider doing it Monday. They consider maybe doing it Tuesday. And then the other option is to take the Week 7 game between Baltimore and uh, Pittsburgh, move it to Week 8, because that's where the Titans have a bye week. And then you have the Titans available, and then you move the Steelers up, and you play it in Week 7. All right, the 808 here has got a question, John, and there is already news about this. But just to give them an update, has anyone picked up Timmy Jernigan? And if he'd fit in Seattle, no one would pick him up. Uh, he just signed with the Denver Broncos. So, uh, you know, he, um, he, I, that was an agreement that was made uh, late yesterday. So he is now out of service. He's going to Denver. From the 206, are the Saints in trouble? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, uh, right now, they, you know, this is a tough part of the schedule that they had to open up the season. But, uh, you know, but like anything else, I mean, in the NFC right now, where you have so many good quarterbacks and so many good offenses, if you start falling behind, it's hard to start to catch up. So, in trouble, not yet, but certainly they got to have some concerns. From the 206, is Tristan Hill going to get fined for the cheap shot on Carson? I would think absolutely. No question. No suspension. You notice nothing came out yesterday as far as that goes. But I'd have to think he has to get some kind of a fine. I mean, let's put it this way. If you're fining coaches $100,000 and threatening to take away draft choices for not wearing a mask to do that uh, gator wrap or whatever you want to call it, I mean, you, you, that's, that's player safety. You can't have that. From the 253, is Sam Darnold a terrible quarterback or is he just in a really bad situation? Uh, he's in a bad situation. I mean, what's going to probably end up happening if they have a bad game against Denver, I would anticipate that Adam Gaze gets fired. But you look, they don't have anything at wide receiver. They're all injured and had four starting changes on the offensive line. Uh, it's a mess. He, he still makes good throws. I think, yeah. yeah, he's in a bad situation. Week two, he had this throw where he was running left and had a kind of go back and throw to his right and it was about 30 yards downfield he, that dude makes throws he's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, i think he could be a good quarterback yeah agreed from the three six so will rashad penny have a role in this year's offense when he returns it seems like a pretty deep depth chart when all the running backs are healthy yeah they'll fi- find some way to get him on the field no doubt about it <clears throat> you know it probably would you know push back to two miami uh players and get them back but no when rashad penny's healthy and out there he'll get some action from the four two five, Professor, where do you rank Bobby Wagner all time among linebackers against guys like Ray Lewis and Dick Butkus? Mm, I don't put him in that category. I mean, I put him in a category right now where I think you know he and Luke Keekley are the two possible Hall of Fame middle linebackers that could be you know getting a chance to do it. But I wouldn't put him on the all time greats. But I have with a good chance to maybe get into the Hall of Fame after a couple of years. From the two five three, John, what team would you like to see Trevor Lawrence go to? Mm, I'd say, I mean, to save on Jim Moore, I'd say not Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, you know, may, maybe mm, Washington. I mean, because, you know, we'll see where it is with Dwayne Haskins. He's struggling. But, uh, you know, he's going to go someplace because he's the first pick. And right now it very well could be the Jets. Do you not think Washington, the Washington football team's fully sold on Dwayne Haskins right now? Uh, the owner is, but I don't know how uh, everybody else is, the fans. I mean, the three interceptions on Sunday didn't help them out. Yeah. From the 206, will the Raiders bounce back this Sunday? Mm, I don't know. I think it's going to be concerning because they have their two young wide receivers, Edwards, and, uh, and that are all, they're all not going to be able to play. And so when you take away, and they're thin at receiver as it is, so if that's going to be the case, because you know, if you don't have Ruggs and you don't have Edwards, who do you have? And remember, Tyrell Williams is on injured reserve. 
From the 425, do you think Devontae Adams will play this Monday? Mm, Devontae? uh, Right now, still too early to call. I mean, you know, I don't know what the practice. I'd say right now it doesn't look good. But, uh, you know, you hold it out to see with it being a Monday game, how he's doing on Friday and Saturday's practice, if he's practicing. From the 360, John, do you think if Seattle could do it all over again, would they not have selected Rashad Penny in the first round? Uh, no, I think it, uh, they like him. I mean, again, it's like uh, everybody's kind of going overboard on the first-round points. But when you're a playoff team, you get second-round picks in the first round. And so, uh, no, I mean, you know, uh, he's he's good. You can see the talent is there. I don't think they regret it. From the two five three, after the beating the Ravens took this past Monday, do you still see them as a legit Super Bowl contender? Of course. I mean, they're right up there with Pittsburgh, and they're right up there with Kansas City. I mean, those are, I think, at the moment, and maybe Buffalo and possibly New England. Those are the five best teams at the moment in the AFC. So, no, I'm you. One loss is not going to destroy a team. It could make them lose the chance to get home field advantage or something of that nature. But they're still good. From the two hundred six, what about Trevor Lawrence to the Lions? Uh, that could happen, but you know that didn't help that uh, Detroit won the game and in Arizona. But yeah, Detroit could be in the mix. But again, it's going to be the worst team. That's why right now the worst team is the New York Jets, and the Giants are second. And of course, the Giants have Daniel Jones. But uh, I'd say right now that it wouldn't surprise me that the Jets would have to take him. But Detroit certainly is one of the worst teams in football, so they could be a candidate. From the four two five, who has been the most disappointing player in the NFL so far this year? Uh, most disappointing. I mean, yep, may have to put Kirk Cousins up there because he's been disappointing. Then, uh, you know, you'd have to look at because you know Cousins is you know really not getting the ball downfield much. You know, he's had real big struggles. I'd probably put Kirk as the uh, the main guy right now, and he comes to town in a week. Could this be the last year he's with the Vikings? No, he's got too many guarantees. True. All right, that's all the time we got for text. Okay, so coming up next, we got our daily dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so, David, uh, we got the you know, WNBA uh, championship round coming up right now, the Seattle Storm. Uh, you know, they've been really cooking. They're going to start things tonight. And how good do you feel about the Storm in this one? Uh, John, I feel very good about them. I feel uh, today's a good day. I mean, you got you got eight baseball playoff games in one day, John. Wow. Can you imagine such it's, a thing? Can you imagine a, eight NFL playoff games in one day? Can you imagine eight NFL playoff? It's not possible. No, you're right. That's, so, that's, and you've also got the NBA Finals starting tonight, as well as the WNBA Finals. So, uh, you've got a whole lot of things going on, and, and I feel really good about the storm. To tell you the truth, yeah, I do too. I mean, I I think that uh, this how, where they rank as far as among their best teams. This this team has to be among the best that they've ever had. Well, that that depends on what happens in this series. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta finish the deal uh, when it comes right down to it. Uh, so uh, when if they if they win this series, they rank you know we rank them with the championship teams then, but they got to get this one first. No doubt, and uh, that's going to be the big challenge. And of course, uh, you could just feel good about the star power that they have. Everything has been kind of clicking with them. I mean, I think it, it should look pretty good. Looking forward to it. Definitely looking forward to it. Oh, no doubt. So that's going to be one of the fun things that we're going to be able to watch. And you're right about how good it is. What did you think of the American League start with the four games that they had yesterday in baseball? Uh, it was, you know, it's still kind of weird watching without without fans. I mean, it's hard hard to get past that, but uh, it was entertaining. Uh, Cleveland really, you know, you, you real. This is the 
they're doing this best of three series, so you got a, you know, a bunch of elimination games going on in the American League today with the National League getting started as well. That's why we've got so many games. I thought the Yankees were a bit of a surprise. I think Tampa is the team that, that I think may come out of the American League, and, and they're, they're pitching. Blake Snell pitched, pitched terrific. You showed why that they're the club they are. And Minnesota has got to be the most snake-bit team imaginable. I mean, they're losing to Houston this afternoon right now, one uh, nothing. If they lose that, I think it's 17 or 18 straight postseason losses. Wow. That's incredible. incredible. Most of them to the Yankees, but, I mean, they can't catch a break, and they're trailing Houston, as we mentioned. Um, National League starting today, you got you got a scoreless game going on between Cincinnati and Atlanta in the bottom of the ninth. You've got Miami playing the, the, the Cubs at Wrigley Field. I remember the last time the Marlins played the Cubs at Wrigley Field, John, in the postseason? Mm-hmm. Yeah, guy named Steve Bartman figured fairly prominent oh, in yeah, that I whole equation. Always so, remember that. That was a disaster. As I'm sure they remember in Chicago. So you've got that one going on. The A's are, are trying to avoid a, a postseason uh, meltdown, although it's just it's just a two-game series. But the, their backs against the wall. They're starting up with with Chicago, and the White Sox kind of followed their blueprint during the year of of good hitting, uh, good power hitting. They had three home runs in the middle of their lineup to win to win that game. So uh, you know, it's interesting. It's it's not the same thing as the one sudden death game but it's best two out of three so for four american league teams it's sudden death today oh yeah no doubt that's going to be the fun part about it and uh you know, say say what you want it's like everybody kind of struggled to see how this baseball season was going to be but it turned out to be a lot of fun it did and and, and again you know there there's some there's already some discussions going on well will baseball maintain this sort of postseason uh, structure with 16 teams getting in and and uh, I, I i'm one who thinks that they definitely will um, you know, I'm not sure that I would have been a big fan of it before this year, but, you know, I think, um, you know, I know they may subsequently reduce the major league season to, to a degree. I don't know about that, but, uh, I think adding playoffs, it's very difficult to take away playoffs once you've added them and there'll be some discussion, but I believe that they'll continue on with some form of additional playoffs because, I mean, that's it, really what it's all about, playoff baseball. And even without fans there, uh, it's, you can see the intensity, you can see the drama. It's, it's baseball at its best, so I think more postseason is better. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. That's going to be uh, great. Now, of course, we have the problem down in Nashville right now with the Tennessee Titans. A fourth player ended up uh, testing positive, and so now they have, uh, what, a total, I guess you could say, of nine because you have some coaches involved, you have players involved. They decided they're going to move the game back. Uh, they're not going to play it Sunday. They could play it Monday, Tuesday, or maybe juggle some things with the schedule and maybe do it in week seven. Yeah, and um, you know, as long we talked about this yesterday a little bit, you know, as long as it's just one team, and I think uh, Pittsburgh uh, and, and excuse me, Minnesota is going to come through it okay. Um, as long as it's just one team, it can be handled. And as you pointed out yesterday, you know, with the bye week, they've got some flexibility built in, but not a ton. I mean, not enough to, to handle an outbreak the likes of which the Marlins had, for example. So uh, it's definitely be tread carefully time for the NFL. But we get a chance to see. Uh, their protocol in action this week, and and uh, as you pointed out yesterday, and I agree with you, you know they've got a plan in place, and we'll see if it works. Mm-hmm. No, and uh, of course, at least you know they're doing. What's your, what's your thoughts? Of course, we we know how bad things can get when we're talking fines and what's ha- what's happening with uh, commissioner decisions and that. What do you think of the edict that came down today? That after you know fining coaches a hundred thousand dollars for not wearing enough of the mask and you know fining the team two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Now they're coming and say if you don't follow protocol, we'll start taking away draft choices and giving suspensions and things of that nature. Um, it's, it's what it is. It's respecting their billion dollar masters. I mean, look, you know, they, they need 
integrity of the season. They need the season to be played, and and uh, there's a lot of money at stake, and and they're not fooling around with that. I mean, it, it's it, it's something that I don't have a real problem with. I mean, I can understand they're being militant about it. I mean, you know, this is it, more than any other sport. You know, this is this is a huge amount of money they're talking about here. So uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, we'll see if it if it has the impact that they hope that it should have, but. Um, it's not surprised that they are really drawing a, a, a hard line here and saying, look, we got to keep playing and you guys have got to follow the protocols we agreed to, period. Mm-hmm. But, but it does seem to be uh, a little, because, you know, like, for example, it's I know. draconian for sure. I mean, it's, it seems unfair, but, you know, I mean, they, they already opted in. Oh yeah, but that's that's the thing that's so uh, so different about it. It's like okay, now the the, the Tristan Hill hit that he made on uh, Chris Carson right. that got the knee injury. You know, we still we won't we'll find out in a day or two whether there's going to be a fine in that one. But it's like how crazy could it be? It's like oh, for, for not wearing a mask, we'll take away a draft choice, but we'll let Tristan Hill go with that uh, Gator wrap or whatever you want to call it. Well, they're gonna they're gonna do it. Uh, yeah. they, they'll they'll find them and maybe even suspend them a little bit. But uh, what it does show, John, is where the priorities are, and the priorities in this strange time are actually getting the season in. You know, are actually getting the games played. That that has to be their their uh, their most important uh, and, and initial process on everything. And and you know that impacts how teams are are prepping during the week more more so than just game time. So I believe that they'll come down with the with the with the proper punishment for that, and there should be some punishment for that. But um, they, they gotta they gotta indicate very clearly that they're not messing around when it comes to protocol. They can't have any slip ups. They need it to be uh, as much as it can be, like the NHL was. Mm-hmm. Oh, no doubt. But that's yeah, it, it is kind of interesting, and, and it's funny because and I, you can't fault them for this. Each day they come up with new protocols and new different things, which of course shows they are working on it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a living, moving thing, and it's it's history and. In, in in action and and it's it's coming up with a way of dealing with things that you know you can't really anticipate all the variables for the first time in a lot of in a lot of the years for most of these sports and it's very hard to try and anticipate all the variables the only way you can do it is by by being flexible by by willing to you know change and adjust and and continue to monitor throughout uh, the whole uh, the, the whole process so I imagine it was a little rattling you know to to have uh, to have the team have the positive test they had with the Titans just a couple of weeks into the season. And I'm not surprised the NFL is reacting the way they are. Not at all. No, not at all. Cause you got to try to go into safety case. Cause it's so, uh, it's so important that you do it that way. So stay tuned on that front. But, uh, you know, overall, I think it's, you know, an interesting, uh, way the season's going. And of course we're already four weeks into it, getting into the week four. And that's our daily dose of the Grosby with Dave Grosby. Dave, have yourself a great day enjoying baseball. John, we'll talk again tomorrow. Thanks, buddy. I thank you. And, of course, uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.